And just getting back to basics and the simplicity of birth, really, in its natural form, being undisturbed. And then there's space for it to be really this transcendent, life-changing, positive experience for any woman. And really help that woman to step into a place of being their most clear vision of themselves and have that confidence to be authoritative and leading in their mother role and strong and connected. I mean, I think there's a real deep connection to spirit through all of this as well. And and also through the connection sessions, working with a pregnant woman, it, it, it is about honouring that rite of passage. <laughs> place where I would like to explore body connection, empowerment and major rites of passages really, which have become either so invisible and disregarded or medicalized and unmarked in our modern Western world. So I'm Stephanie Wehofsky. I'm a herbalist, artist and the mother of a seven-year-old daughter And at the same time, I'm heading fast into the rite of passage of menopause. We are starting this podcast series with an exploration of the experience of birth and its physiology. That is actually birthing a child into this world from your womb, as it is the start of our embodiment here on earth. And also becoming a mother during our lifetimes is such a major shift. But I'm sure all this will organically evolve, or at least I'm hoping that it will, into many, many different subjects around all the important rites of passages in our lives and our place, power and potential in this world. And ultimately, of course, it will feature detours into all of my interests. So today I'm talking to Gauri, who is a free birthing doula and also runs a birth story circle here in Froome, where I live, in the West Country of the UK. She has a psychology and trauma-focused healing background, and she is a friend and part of my immediate community here. I'm really interested in this subject, especially from a body autonomy point of view, And trusting the body's innate design and knowledge of this positive feedback loop, that is how the birthing process is explained from a scientific perspective, or we could call it miracle, really, which can be so beautiful and ecstatic, but at the same time is also so violent and lets us skirt very viscerally on the line between life and death and thus can also be very traumatic. I myself chose to have a home birth, which was a very positive experience, but it was still attended by two NHS midwives. So I would really like to explore how this is different to a full free birthing experience. 
So, welcome, Gauri. <laughs> Hi. Hi. Nice to have you here. I'm quite excited, actually. You're my first podcast conversation experience. So I'm a little bit nervous, but also very, yeah, excited. So. Great. Me too. <laughs> Me too. My first podcast experience as well. Um, so yeah, and I'm really excited to be here. Really grateful for the opportunity. Thank you for inviting me. <laughs> so I tried giving a little introduction to you and what you do with the Yoni tree in the intro, but I think it would be really great if you could talk in your own words about your background and your journey to what you're doing now for us. Sure. Um, it's hard to know how far back to go, but um, I guess I I have a background in, in therapy in, in general. I studied psychology at university and I did work within the NHS for some time and um, had quite a difficult experience really with the NHS in general um, within the setting of just kind of a lot of hierarchy and management and not that much front line of really working with the patients I was working with in a mental health setting, a high secure mental health setting. And, and then I, so I left that and I guess I just got swooped into quite a deep spiritual journey of self-discovery and really connecting with my own inner sense of freedom, working through quite a lot of my own stuff and found a deep connection to meditation and and yoga, went traveling, went away, spent a year in Thailand and in India, did some really like month-long deep retreats in, a, in this amazing Buddhist, Buddhist temple in Chiang Mai. And I kind of came to this conclusion that, you know, therapy is like, or meditation is therapy. And this kind of self, self-directive, um, reflection and just so much, um, learning came from just going inside and then just feeling such incredible joy and, and love and appreciation of nature, just that I, I just had never experienced it before, anything like that. And it, yeah, it, it really changed me that, that time away. And I also connected with Tantra. I found this school in Thailand where the, the yoga, tantric yoga practice was so much about energy and connecting with um, the chakras and really feeling the energy inside moving as you're in a in a posture in a asana as well as working with pranayama and various other techniques and then after this trip and I went back when came back to England and I lived in Bristol for a while and did was practicing so much yoga and meditation and kind of trying to live outside of society somehow and like didn't want to get in you know all these ideas about what it meant to be in the rat race and and then I just realized that I needed to do more training and 
go back, go back to the school in Kopanyang in Thailand um, called Agama Yoga. And, and I did. So then I spent a year working and building up the finances that I needed to do that. And then I went back there and I lived there in this tantric community for a year. I did the TTC there, like a teacher training course and taught within the community and, and trained in tantric massage essentially while I was in Thailand in Agama and I was receiving yoni massage frequently and this was something that had been profound for me um, to ignite deeper pleasure in my body and and really access a deeper state of oneness. So, dear listeners, I'm intercepting here because Gauri and I went into quite a tangent at this point, talking about tantric yoni massage, female anatomy, and how little women actually explore their own body. Pleasure, the body as a vehicle for spiritual experience, a cervix serpent, self-pleasure, and the armoring toy that I have recently purchased and used. And body sovereignty as well. I am super keen to explore these topics a lot more in the future. And Gauri and I will talk more about it in a dedicated podcast, so watch out for that. But now I'm bringing the conversation back to birth and free birthing. I know you have birthed two children. Mm -hmm. And... I'm wondering how your experience was with that and maybe also how, you know, I'm not quite sure if you were already on the free birthing path before you had your children or if that's something that came a little bit afterwards, mm. but it would be really interesting to hear with obviously all your background <laughs> that has informed yeah. this as well. Yeah, sure. Um, so... Yeah, I I wasn't aware of free birth necessarily um, until I got pregnant and um, I instinctively felt that I didn't want to have any medical interference in my process with birth. And I had always been interested in birth, but then I'd always had this, and I was aware of doulas, But I just knew that I wanted to experience birth for myself before I kind of actually went into working within that realm. Um, but at this point, like for a couple of years, I've been doing then my, my tantric therapy, working with women and with men uh, around kind of sexual release in some ways and combining the body work with a lot of process work. And I'd done more training in that side of things as well just to kind of say about that and I had yeah so I had this very strong instinct and I'd been reading books and Ina May Gaskin for one had been like so had informed me basically of of a lot of uh, in relation to not needing to have any medical interference and and definitely I was afraid I was afraid of medical intervention so so I I committed to having a free birth 
I only knew one other woman who had and it felt lonely and I didn't feel like talk like I could talk about it much and yet I'm this kind of very quite outspoken person so I still spoke about it and then I would end up feeling exposed and vulnerable and challenged by what I would get back um even kind of some of my most alternative friends who hadn't had children yet, but would would kind of say some kind of story about how some women they knew that that wouldn't go to the hospital when she needed to, and then it would cause all these problems. And you know, just this kind of thing. I was challenged by these sort of negative birth stories. But I connected with the Free Birth Society and I listened to these podcasts. And it just filled me with inspiration and um, confidence. And that's all I did, though. They have amazing courses, and I recommend Free Birth Society because I've trained now with them extensively. But um, at the time, that's as far as I took my education, really. And, And I had an incredible birth experience, and I had a lot of support from the women around me in my community, like just because they loved me. And I didn't necessarily share that much about my intentions to free birth. I just felt like I knew it. And my partner wasn't like head over heels about it. He struggled with it. So we did have a friend, this friend who had free birth. She was actually training to be a midwife at that time and um, was just in her first year. And she she agreed to support us but a bit like on the down low because she wasn't supposed to be doing anything like that um so she was there as our friend and that is all that she was and actually in retrospect I feel like her being there wasn't wasn't actually the right thing for me but she was there to support my partner and that's what we needed he needed at that time and I just had such an incredible birth experience and not in any moment did I think, oh, I need to phone a midwife or have anyone else there, particularly a stranger. Just the thought of any energy like that coming in was just a definitely definite no. And I birthed in our bedroom, like in my, it felt like this deep, dark nest and I had this wonderful altar and bertha all up on the wall and I was deeply connected with my body and I felt like there was a massive purging and it reminded me of an ayahuasca ceremony honestly and I I really did I did throw up a bit but it was like this energetic purging and roaring and the energy that was moving through me was unbelievable unbelievable and I remember being very connected to the earth and feeling a lot like my hands on the ground and like this pushing down on the ground, like I was trying to allow space in my body as this intensity was, you know, it's intense. And, um, and yeah, so, so my friend only came for like, well, not the whole thing, just a few hours. And the whole experience was about seven hours long for the birth itself. And, like so my partner and I had been had been doing these practices to honor the rite of passage so um I'd been doing this amazing practice which is something that I offer now for my my women that I work with that really helps to connect with the body and everything so I'd been doing that for three weeks previous and then on the day that we ended was actually that night that I went into 
into birthing without the next morning and it was on the winter solstice on a full moon and um my baby was actually due to be born on well the due date which I don't really agree with so much <laughs> anymore but um was actually Christmas day so it was three days early and my partner had been doing his own little honouring of the rite of passage by doing an all-night walk from Froome to Stonehenge <laughs> on the night of the solstice. So, yeah, he'd been out doing his walk and it was 5am in the morning when my waters started to seep and, yeah, he came back and we had a bit of rest and then, yeah, the full-on birthing time began more when it got dark again. And then um, Cedar was born that evening around 10pm. And I just, I like that moment that he was born, there was just such a rush of of love and bliss. And um, it was just the most incredible feeling. And I stayed in that space for a couple of hours. And oh, it really just was incredible. Really, really incredible. And, and then from there, I feel like there was a capping of my experience because even though I felt fine and everything was fine, he, like, I hadn't burst the placenta and it had been about three hours. And even though I knew I wanted a free birth, I had still kept within the, um, cause I didn't want to have any alarm bells going. I'd still been connecting with the midwives and, yeah, so I, I still had some fear. I feel like I was still in that world and it's so based on fear and I had words from the midwife about the placenta and I hadn't educated myself at that point about the placenta being fine to take as long as it needs to take. And so, yeah, also the friend that was supporting us was starting to get worried about that and that felt like, and I felt that. So anyway... In the end, we did have some intervention and a midwife did come and um, I had some tocin on, which like, oh, drastically changed how I felt. So I had that real experience of noticing what a synthetic hormone does to the, yeah, the, the natural release of the hormones, which I was so high off and experiencing in such incredible kind of um, intensity. And it was just like white and I was just like, drained and lifeless and it was completely different but we still stayed in our space and everything placenta birthed and there was no problems um yeah and so that was my first experience of birth and and then quite quickly went into having another child and didn't necessarily work through what I feel I probably needed to work through at that time now in retrospect and with all the kind of depth of learning I've done now around kind of being able to reflect on birth experiences and get all the lessons from them there was a lot there that I hadn't done in relation to the birth my first child's birth and and I found the pregnancy harder um I was tired and my body ate and I had a you know 18 months baby going on to two years and I I still wanted to free birth but also in this time I'd done a doula training and I feel like I had somehow kind of because I and I doulaed a couple of 
women, a couple of families. So I'd been then again in with the system in a way, because at that point I wasn't up for being a free birth dealer. I didn't know how to do that. I had no idea how to do that, even though I knew I wanted to do that. So what kind of doula training did you do at the time? It was something called continuum doulaing, which is about giving a deeper experience of support, which kind of I needed then combine in with my kind of therapeutic holding, because it's about giving more of a therapeutic holding before and after the birth, which is really important and something that I do how I work now is definitely that. But it was also what was available with having a young child as well. And I did really um, respect the woman who was doing the training, and I and I did get get something out of that training for sure. But I still didn't feel like it was totally in alignment because there wasn't any mention of free birth within that. There wasn't really. It was so alongside the system and this is the role of a doula it is alongside the system and actually a doula doesn't have any power around speaking up or speaking into the space of a birth really other you know they are emotional support for the woman and which is amazing and valid and necessary but yeah it wasn't for me really this 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 way but I had done it and I had worked then with a couple families which had been beautiful, but I'd still found a contraction when there was a midwife that was disturbing, actually, the natural flow, or even if it wasn't during the birthing time, like the afterward, afterwards, like with the syntocinon injection, which is just protocol. It's just the normal thing to do instead of giving the placenta the time it needs um, and the gratitude it needs also, the honouring of what it's, what it's been doing for those whole nine months, you know, of, of nurturing that baby and that mother and that, that like the, the connection, like what that really means. And, it, and it's just lost completely in this med- medicalization of, of birth, really. So, yeah, even though I knew that I wanted to free birth again with my second, I didn't really do much. I just kind of naively thought, of course, I'm going to do that. Like there's no question so I didn't really have much space or time I didn't create much space or time to educate myself further on birth really like the the true physiology of birth I kind of knew I didn't know but then all the other variations of normal or what to do with the unexpected and you know like actually having an education behind me and a certain wisdom around around it was lacking So then when I got to, I had also done the same rite of passage practice and the various things to connect to my body. And I did feel connected to my body and connected to my baby. But I also felt that I was more in a distracted place than I had been in my previous pregnancy. And I think just the general distraction culture I had bought into a bit more, also with the excuse of having a young child and not really having the self-care in place that was necessary to really honor the rite of passage of pregnancy there needs to be that i i, I believe and it is tricky it yeah is tricky it is with tricky. a young child and how we are set up if we are set up it's true yeah and my partner works all like is out mm-hmm. at work basically eight till six every day and these are certain things that we're looking at that we know we want to change but it was you know it was that that was a reality 
And so when it got to 41 weeks, um, and I just assumed that everything was going to be the same as with my firstborn, and I would probably be a bit early and, you know, and of course, having then an older child, there's another dynamic of, I mean, I wanted him to be there, but my partner wasn't okay with being in charge of me and the baby in knowing that I wanted to free birth and still that not really feeling that comfortable with him. So many dynamics to it. But we had sorted a friend who was going to be looking after the elder one. And anyway, that was another piece to it to like not really be able to fully surrender to what is this birth going to be because there's still the responsibility of the older one too and how is that going to fit anyway so I was still connected to the medical system in the same way I was with the first I was still having prenatals and ultrasounds which I definitely would not do um, if I have a third opportunity Mm -hmm. and so you're still fed into the system and you're still fed into the kind of fear-mongering on some level so when I had a midwife appointment at 41 weeks and she thought the baby was breech and I was kind of told I needed to go for an ultrasound it was like whoa okay so I was like I'd refused an ultrasound previous to that when there had been a question of breech because I had been really sure that he was head head down and I was also very open and susceptible and influential, obviously, 41 weeks. I'm totally in the liminal space of, of the ending of pregnancy. And, and I just didn't feel that I, and I was like, oh, yeah, well, I suppose I should know if he's breech. So I went and I found out he was breech and it was, and it was a really, really difficult thing to know. And I didn't, and I, and I, and I cried. And I went sort of fed into this, oh, I need to try and turn him. And I was just in that lost fear, fuck kind of place, you know, at that moment and that time where I was. And so it escalated from that place that I, I mean, didn't actually occur to me then that I could still free birth my breech baby. Now, with what I know now, I totally know I could have free birthed my breech baby, no problem. Anyway, so it took me a week to process the fact it was breech and I was told that my options are to have a cesarean or to vaginally birth my baby spontaneously. Obviously, I was going to go for the, <laughs> for the vaginally birth my baby, but I was obviously told that it had to be spontaneous they wouldn't induce a breech baby and I wouldn't have wanted that anyway. Um, I was confident that I would go into labour, but I, I think I was ready to birth a lot earlier or that my baby was ready to birth earlier. But because of all of this process that I'd been kind of dived into with him being breech and all the fear there and I wasn't really in my body for that week, I feel like I... So, and it was approaching the 42-week mark and, um, yeah. But I did. I, I also had some help with some herbs or at least I, I had them there ready from a friend who's a herbalist and and I was thinking about doing kind of my own natural induction to get things started. But I watched a load of breech vaginal birth deliveries just on YouTube and something clicked in me and I was like, yeah, I can do this. I can do this. There's no problem, really. But still, I wasn't 
ready to actually step into free birthing a breach and that you know like that still was this next level I just didn't have enough time to get ready for that and still being in this very liminal open influenced place I think at that time so anyway I I went into labor spontaneously we'd had a beautiful relaxed day of just me and my partner and my son been for a walk and you know I connected again with just ah yeah you know that inner knowing that I could birth my baby there's no problem here and but we were going to go to the hospital and wow this was going to be a new experience and I was like warrior I'm going to do this I'm still just going to have my natural birth without any interference in the hospital and this is going to be really good for my doulering you Mm. know in this kind of like and it was (laughs) on some level uh and the birth itself was super quick and so did you birth breach? Yes. Mm-hmm. So I had a vaginal breach birth in okay. the hospital. My labor was only about three hours long. So um, I woke in the night and sensations just ramped up super quick. But I didn't know how close I was because the sensations were definitely less intense. And I was working with them in a different way while I was still at home. Um, maybe it was because my son was present too and I needed to settle him and I needed to settle him in with my friend who'd come to look after him who he knew really well and you know that was fine but so I was having these really like strong sensations of the contractions very close together but I was able to just close my eyes and be with them in such a different way to this like overly dramatic roaring and like taken into some kind of yeah dark purging like place from the first birth which which I'm I mean was amazing and absolutely amazing in its own right but with this experience I definitely realized that I could work with the sensations in a different way at least at this point while I was still at home but then as soon as I was out in the night and we got into the van and going to the hospital and so my partner put a mattress in the back of the van and I was just like, then I was like, wild woman was out and I could be totally um, in all of that drama again. So I was. And I think I transitioned actually as well through this time in the van and I and I did throw up at one point and we had a bucket and stuff, so it was fine. <laughs> And actually another whole element of this, which I didn't know at the time, was that the van was about to run out of diesel. And literally <laughs> my partner was like coasting along, like trying to like keep, like make sure we got to the hospital. It's like something out of a soap or something. But I didn't know at the time. But but yeah, and had a moment of of stillness when we arrived at the hospital and my partner went in because he tried to help me in and my legs just collapsed and I was not going to be walking anywhere. I was so close to birthing at that point, but I didn't, I still didn't really realize it. And I just had this really strong need to go to the toilet to do a big poo. And uh, this was like the beginning of the dignity just gone of like, of my dignity being respected by the medical staff because they came out with the, with the wheelchair. And I was like, just take me to the toilet. And I just need to go to the toilet first off. And, they were like, no, it's it's your baby. It's just your baby. And there was just this massive, weird, like, panic energy that they just wouldn't listen to me. And I wasn't having the energy to talk anyway. It was so... So I wasn't allowed to go to the toilet. 
I was taken to the ward and I was like, you know, like managing to keep in my bubble, my arms over my head. Really, really strong connection with my partner of just like holding that space. And literally within 20 minutes, um, he was emerging and I had shout, told them I didn't want to be monitored, but they'd strapped me up because they was like, but we think there's something wrong. So we need to check and all of this. It was totally unnecessary because he was being born. It was, you know, but I wasn't, it, I wasn't in control then, like of what was happening to me. And that was really clear. But I'd kept in my bubble and my baby was emerging and I was so present in my body. And it was the same with with my firstborn as well. The, the depth of feeling and presence inside my body as baby was moving down the birth canal and, and crowning. And, and so this time it was bum, bum first. And I could really feel it. I could just feel it. I could feel every, every piece of the bum coming, the, the feet plopping down and and the way that he twisted and then his head came and it was it was incredible the sensations of it and I'd kept in this like I'd kept in our in our bubble and we'd done it without any anyone touching him or me but as soon as then I he he came down and I I got him up onto my chest and and straight away there was like two women with towels trying to rub him down. And I was just like, so immediately I was in protection mode. Get off, get away from me. It was fierce, that feeling that I had. And, and so I was out of my beautiful hormonal matrix. I didn't feel the bliss, the joy, the, the intense endorphins that are very natural to that moment when you're first holding your baby it was it was totally different and a really different experience and so then I I was in a cascade of yeah intervention really because they were there that in itself is a massive disturbance the environment everything about it and obviously I just felt this protection and fear so that took over my hormonal release that was necessary then to birth my placenta within this tiny hour that they give you allow you also um I was bleeding and I was still feeling fine but because you know there was so many pieces they were putting so much pressure on me to have to yeah go and have this um my placenta removed manually removed basically so that's that's what happened because there wasn't any space for me to say no to that. And um, luckily, my baby was there next to me the whole time. And, you know, I don't think it brought any harm to him. But it was like he'd just latched on. He'd just latched on to my breast, which was such a big deal because... Um, I haven't mentioned that much about it, but see, my firstborn, Cedar, he didn't latch on for seven weeks after he was born. And I, and I pumped and I expressed milk for him until he was able to latch on. And so this like moment of my baby latching on in this first hour of being born, it was, it was such, it meant so much to me. And they were telling me I had to take him off and we had to go through to the, you know, I had to do this. And and, it, and there was actually some young boy with another bed, you know, literally just pulled up next to me, like looking at me like, 
come on then, you know, like someone I'd never seen before, you know, there was, oh, and it was like, I remember being like, who are you? Who are you to so many people in this, in this time? Anyway, so it was massively exposing, massively vulnerable. I weeped through it and yeah, and then my body was shaking. I, I didn't respond well to the anesthetic. It was severe. It was really severe. And, and it didn't, and it took me a year really to recognize how traumatic it had been because I think you just have to put it aside when you're, you're mothering a newborn and, uh, and another toddler as well. And, you know, that we had a beautiful year actually in that year before I opened it up again and, and worked through it. And it took me, uh, yeah, um, a lot of holding of wonderful women in my life and people I also have trained with, with to do with the radical birth keeper school. So that's what I did. That's what I found. And through that education and that holding and that sisterhood, I worked through this trauma and learned how to be a birth keeper, which is what I am now, and totally deep dived into everything physiological birth can be and learned so much from these amazing teachers who have been supporting free birth for like over 20 years each. And yeah, like just filled myself up with wisdom and kind of deep experience really deep deep again awakening in so many ways of of what it means to really support birth and and what it means to yeah actually actually stand up and say no it's not okay that so many women are being abused in this medical system now and it's so normal and so many women having trauma from from what should be this incredible rite of passage into becoming the absolute authority, the absolute leader in their life and in their mothering journey with their babies and their children. And, and instead, it's like robbing them, you know, and it and I get where it's come from. And it is from patriarchy and oppression. And it's so clear it's so clear just when you learn about the history of birth and yet no woman is ever told you know in our you know normal nhs system of their options actually their options and women are also often not told like either by their own mothers or mm. by mothers around them and neither by the medical system or society mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. of what is conducive to birthing, what is not, how mm -hmm. to listen to their body and not mm -hmm. be afraid of certain things. Mm -hmm. It actually quite often the opposite is being yeah. um, promoted. I mean, I learned about what supports the actual physiology of the birthing process, things like low lighting, not talking when in labor, And the importance of absolutely no stress because of adrenaline blocking oxytocin. When I did the Paramanadula course with Michelle O'Don and Liliana Lamas in London, and I reckon that was the reason that my home birth experience was a positive one. I would really, really mm. like to have a look at your journey of going through the trauma and then just talking about what you're doing now. Mm -hmm. That would be really great. Sure. Yeah, so I was feeling called to 
yeah, come back to my work, I suppose, um, after, since having Ren, my second child and all this, knowing that there was just, it wasn't feeling good, my experience, but I hadn't really worked through it. I tried a bit, but it, it hadn't, I hadn't had the right holding. So um, it's through I the Radical Birthkeeper School, which is a course, a deep dive, a three-month intensive program that's run by the Free Birth Society and written by Yolanda Norris-Clark, who works with Emily, who is the Free Birth Society. To they, They've created this, this course. And part of the, part of the course, uh, is about recognizing how to support women to kind of do birth, birth story debriefing, um, and integration and processing and holding a space to unravel birth experiences, to feel everything, to, to go into the emotional kind of landscape of it and feel everything to completion kind of and and be held in that and I did that I did that with a couple of my peers who I was learning with through the process of learning how to do this for other other women and yeah there was just suddenly it's a sort of a certain reflection that came that that then meant I could see the medicine in it and I could really learn the lessons and I could recognize that it's like a snapshot of my consciousness in that moment or something and that's where I was in my life at that time when it comes to both birth experiences actually there's a lot to take about where did I not fully stand in my 100% responsibility and where did I where was I feeding into something that wasn't serving me or what you know this sort of thing and that it it was incredible and I had a a couple of weeks or more maybe where I was just a mess and I felt so vulnerable in every in every place and you know I couldn't really I was just had got I went into that trauma I went there and I let myself experience that in a way and and then it, and then it cleared. It kind of just moved and I moved, found myself thinking about it differently, being able to speak about my experience differently and in not having the same charge anymore. And I also had, was still experiencing some pain in my body. Well, I mean, uncomfortability in my body. And it was my cycle came back when I was ovulating. Uh, so my, you know, this actual experience had created some trauma in my, physically in my body, in my womb and my uni and I and I was experiencing some discomfort and I had a I had a kind of um so there's another woman who works doing similar work to me in in the kind of tantric therapy realm called Kalindi Jordan and I had a session with her which also was this kind of yoni holding this kind of womb holding which allowed me to energetically connect in with my placenta and honor that organ and my body in a way that I had not been able to do um so there there was there's various levels of that too in a sense of emotional processing as well and and I still sometimes get certain sensations in my body which I know are uh, related to to that experience and I just and I just give them love I just give them love and and honour it, really, honour that my body went through that, and honour all the lessons that have come through from that experience too. Yeah. And and that's what I that's what I do for women now as well. That's what part of what I offer. 
his birth story integration and processing in one-to-one sessions as well as a group a free group women's circle that I hold monthly um, where women can like kind of begin to go there in in a group setting as well and be held by other women and and we can all then receive the medicine and the magic from that birth experience because we can all go through that with with the woman you know as they're sharing it's always so relatable you know there's so many women that have been through similar things and and that deeper connection of sisterhood that comes with sharing in a circle, you know, is part of, can be really part of the integration and being seen in, in our, in our light and in our vulnerability. Yeah. And the, um, kind of yoni therapy is also something I offer one to one sessions of kind of talking everything through and this kind of emotional, holding of feeling everything to completion and at the same time holding that space for the body to release as well delicately uh, in whatever way is right for that woman really because a lot of energy a lot of trauma can be can be stored in the yoni and in the cervix and having this kind of holding space for very delicate touch and very delicate energetic connection can really allow for these deeper emotional releases to occur as well, or even deeper than the emotional release, almost like on a just a un, unconscious level of the way the body, the interweb of the body, how it can hold so much. And it can just be like a spontaneous like shake and something's moved and it changes how how that woman can experience her her yoni, her body. You know, whether it comes down to there's there's pain and uncomfortability being experienced in just daily life or during sex or during ovulation or menstruation. Yeah, uh, just not, not feeling pleasure, numbness, dissociation. These are all kind of symptoms of there being stuck, stuck trauma. And absolutely helping women to to birth their babies in a sense of just supporting them to be their own authority and their own leader and and then whatever process work might be needed in preparation for that unraveling all the socialization and cultural kind of myths and intense fear that surrounds birth in our kind of culture so, I mean, there's a lot to unravel when you're birth keeping for women that want to birth outside of the medical system, for sure. But I think there's definitely, there's a commitment that comes when women are choosing that. There's a, there's a deep knowing. It comes from a, like something way beyond just your day to day, that, that feeling, I think. Um, and whether it's connecting to, yeah, our ancestors and something about our, our deep right as women to, to experience this really how it's how nature intended as as a real rite of passage and really acknowledging that and all of ourselves so that we can feel and be intuitively connected to our baby and and know that that is the way to know how to make any choice or how to um work with ourselves to to do something that we're meant to do you know to allow our bodies just to 
do what they're supposed to do and not get too involved in that and actually not definitely not allow anyone else to disturb that process and I mean there's so much that can be said about that but yes I offer a service of birth keeping and um, support through through that so how does that look like for example if I would be a woman now and I would be pregnant how would you support me through this rites of passage yeah we would we'd have an initial there'd be an initial interview and there would be a real yeah a, a delicate process of connection really of really recognizing whether we were in <coughs> excuse me in alignment and and if that felt like a full body yes from both from both sides then great <laughs> we would talk about um We would talk about what that, how that woman sees her support as well. Like, so there, there is a, I would offer connection sessions or you could call authentic prenatal sessions where, uh, and, and we might talk about what kind of care that woman would like in her authentic prenatals. As in, does she want any kind of measuring or this kind of thing? Or is she just really wanting space to be held for emotional processing? I mean, Generally, it's also an education and I would be talking about various topics through the connection sessions related to unpacking kind of the standard prenatal care and understanding the deep, true physiology of birth and what that means, the psychoenergetics of birth as well, and a deep emotional holding working through fear like understanding how to work with fear understanding how to work with pain I've also since finishing the the um radical birthkeeper school continued my education with Yolanda one of the te one of the founders of it by doing this course called portal which is all about ecstatic blissful birth so this is a whole other extension now and and actually the woman I'm working with right now who I'm supporting so I'm on call actually right now She's done this course too, and so this is going to be a really interesting, very excited for this birth experience and supporting her. And really, it's just about it's it's holding in a different way. And um, so I'm I would be present, and I'm on call for basically from like 35 weeks because it can happen at any time. And um, I had a surprise 37 weeks actually, just a couple months ago, and it's it's just about the 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 difference about or what like birth keeping it's holding a space it's holding an energetic space in complete trust and clarity and making sure that any of your own stuff is left at the door for sure like And, and if you notice that you're having any kind of emotional process coming in, this is when you go and you work through that away from the birthing woman because there's really an understanding that any energetic or emotional energy is felt by that, that woman. And also even if you notice the partner or anyone else who's supporting as well, uh, even on the outskirts, having something going on or having any kind of fear, you know, you are there to help to direct that direct those people within that so it's like you're an authority of birth but you're not the authority of this birth experience absolutely not the mother is the sole authority and 
So you are there to reflect back to her if she wants to work, needs to work through something during that birthing time, you're there. And you support that woman as well. And if she was to decide to transfer because she feels that something's wrong or she just ends up being concerned and feeling like that's what the right path is for her, then I would absolutely support her in that and continue to support her within a hospital environment if that's what she decided she wanted to do. And there might be some talking through of that before that happened. I know that we know that it's not good to talk during the birth process, but there are sometimes moments where there can be fear coming up and there does need to be a, okay, so what would happen if we did that? And just a reflection of, so that woman can work through what her idea might be of what she thinks she might receive from this or from that. And, and that can be part of the process as well during the pregnancy, recognising if, if there's that kind of sudden inclination of wanting some medical assistance or like what would, like breaking it all down because actually in essence when you do break it down you realize what are you actually gaining from that and is all of it worth that and it's a lot of breaking down everything and and just getting back to basics and the simplicity of birth really in its natural form being undisturbed and then there's space for it to be really this transcendent life-changing positive experience for any woman and really help that woman to step into a place of being their most clear vision of themselves and have that confidence to be authoritative and leading in their mother role and strong and connected I mean I think there's a real deep connection to spirit through all of this as well and and also through the connection sessions, working with a pregnant woman, it, it, it is about honouring that rite of passage. There's a particular practice that I share and will hold the woman in, like a practice that she does every day, which is a combination of different things to help her connect with her body and, and her baby and feel alive and in her joy and in her gratitude, which really helps to get her in that place. And being connected to our body already like very strongly and having a big, big trust mm. in the physiology and what goes on in the birth, like, you know, that our bodies are made, there are positive feedback loops oh, yeah. that are happening uh, with certain hormones being released at certain times of the birthing process and that our bodies are made for that mm -hmm. and, and trusting that and like really working on that connection before birth, mm. I think already changes the possibility for having a good yeah. birth, yeah. shall I just say. Yeah. You know, I don't yeah. don't want to put too much onto it with like blissful or this or that, sure. but and an empowered birth in that yes. kind of way, which I think is very, very Absolutely. important. Yeah. And um are you there postnatally then? Just so yeah, just to come. yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, it depends. It, it can be different. So the amount of support 
it can be different for every woman and it can depend what they feel they need in that time. But yes, it would be, it would be already arranged whether I visit a couple times or not, you know, need wanting, helping with breastfeeding kind of support and that sort of thing as well. And there's a, there's a strong advocation for rest in that time and, and so I would maybe set up a meal train for the family, uh, even like sister circles, women to go in and, and, and really, you know, support that woman in that time. And that would all have been spoken about. The woman would have had a, a mother blessing that I may or may not have been part of. But, you know, it's something that often just sisters for deep friends want to organize and Oh, it's, it's, I've, I've been to so many mother blessings now that are just always so moving and, and just knowing that this is, this is such a big part, um, for women to, to take this step into making these, these choices. Having that support, having that reverence and honor in their community by the women that are really in their lives and, and feeling this. I mean, even for myself, especially with my first experience, um, I really felt this energetic circle of women around me and the fact they'd all given me something to hold that was on my altar or they'd, they'd written me a poem or they'd sung me a song or they'd, you know, they'd touched my body in a certain way with their, with their support. It felt like then the, the, the branches that go out and the roots that grow down from these women and their ancestors and their ancestors and this like, and and the birthing mother really being in the center and you know it's like it's such a it's such a receiving it opens the heart in a certain way as well and it just brings such knowing it's like the body's innate wisdom is activated in a certain way it's it's really profound what can what can come and and just to say it's also so even women who are women who are birthing within the medical sphere still having this kind of deeper information can can be quite incredible to help with decision making and boundaries and and the kind of process of going through the medical system through the birthing kind of arena as well and so I do offer a um a birth education circle which is a seven week course where I'm delving into these various topics the history of birth and where we've come from and also looking into the prenatal care like the rituals within the NHS and how we can see through a lot of the the energy of becoming a patient and giving away our authority and not taking responsibility because we don't think we need to in some ways and this is a cultural thing it's massive but yes so there is that opportunity to if it was if it's just about wanting to learn about like wild pregnancy and free birth but still not necessarily stepping into that place it can still transform the whole honoring of the rite of passage and and still transform the the quality of the experience for that for that woman so yeah how do you offer that um the course is that something you, you do in person or do you do it online 
Yes, I'm doing it in person at the moment. Maybe I will do something similar online at some point, but I just love doing things in person (laughs) and particularly women's circles and this kind of like the depth that can be achieved. So I, yeah, it's, I'm actually going to be starting one quite soon. Um, or I'm just starting to put them, put the message out there about, um, the next one that I'll be doing. And it will be, it's a seven week course. So it will be every week. Uh, I think I'm going to do a Saturday afternoon. And it's, it is for women, but I'm actually going to invite partners as well, because that feels really important, uh, actually. And we will be having some kind of self-connection practice within that as well, and some time for sharing, and some information gathering, discussion each week, and then kind of like obviously it's an opportunity to also meet other other parents who are going to be birthing around the same time and just unravel a lot of the things that we've been talking about as a set schedule for every week and also be space to to just yeah to just share about about it and the actual intention as well is to kind of create space for those for those people it's not just women because obviously they're partners it's a rite of passage for both parents but to to acknowledge that and create space for reflection on what we're feeling what what's happening like and and how we might want to honor that more yeah it's really um i've had i've found it really heartwarming to to do this work as well this kind of and i feel like it's so strong this energy in me of wanting to wanting to pass on this information you know and and so if if you feel called to um to join any of these things that i've been talking about or want to get in touch with me to work with me personally i have a website the yoni tree dot com uh have an instagram the yoni tree and yeah my my email is the yoni tree at gmail.com but yeah i'm really open to hearing hearing from anybody just even if you want to share your story i really love love to be in touch and i'm based here in Froome in somerset and i can do online one-to-ones as well I have done a few of that a few of those sessions but I do prefer to work one-to-one especially if there's a body workout element to it um great thank you so thank much thank you so much this has been just amazing so I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Gowrie about free birthing her birth experiences and the possibilities we can explore around birthing The next episode will be looking at the actual science and physiology of birth. And my guest will be Michelle Ordon, who's the author of 16 books around childbirth. And I'm very, very excited about this. A list with links to all the people, books and organizations mentioned in the podcast, you will be able to find below so you can explore the subjects further. If you found the podcast via one of the usual platforms like Apple or Spotify, then come and also visit my website at www.mothermouth.co.uk. Thank you so much for listening and being here. Bye for now.